Welcome to the 167th episode of the Young Turfs podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking Terps. Jordan, it's finally here. Week one of the football season, Maryland in Northwestern for a Saturday night tilt uh, on BTN. And football is back. Yep. And I'll be real with you, Mason. I cannot believe we got this far. Yeah, neither can I. Um, We're really uh, at the point where it's finally here. You know, we're we're going to see, well, we're hopefully, I'm not going to guarantee it, going to see football uh, with with the Terps back in action. You know, Big Ten football is back, and and it really didn't seem like it was going to happen for the longest time, but it's here, and it will play on, or hopefully play in Evanston on Saturday night. Yep, indeed it will. Um, and we're not going to dive into the schedule. We already did that. But we are going to talk about the depth chart that dropped today and got a couple of news items to hit, Mason. But first, tell you tell us who's bringing us this podcast today. Yeah, before we get to what Jordan just said, and that's <laughs> we're already changing it up now that we're back off this break. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether once the pandemic's over, you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, or I guess now, Jordan, uh, setting up a large outside event and you want an undercover, Allied's got has got that for you. Tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories, all that you need. Allied is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-986-0067. That's 301-986-0067. Or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Uh, Maryland small business making it through the pandemic as uh, things are still looking a little bit bleak around here. But hey, maybe the Terps hopefully uh, will bring us more joy than uh, angst on Saturday night. I'm not too optimistic, Mason. But before we get to our football schedule, we're going to give you guys a couple of pro chirp highlights today from the season so far. We'll get into more of a structured pro chirp breakdown you're used to next week. Uh, the first one I want to hit, Mason, is Yakin Gakwe, now in Minnesota. Despite the Vikings' um, put it lightly disastrous season, Yannick has five sacks and is tied for fourth in the league. Yeah, I mean, not surprised. This guy is a—he's an all-pro on some bad teams. Sure, in Jacksonville years, uh, now on this Minnesota dumpster fire. Uh, I'm not that surprised that Yannick's playing well, but uh, I am surprised that the Vikings are terrible. And it's just it's been a long year for for uh, up there by you in Minnesota, but kind of a hilarious year for people like me who who never thought Kirk Cousins was going to be any good. I'm enjoying it way too much as well. Um, speaking of Minnesota, the ex-Viking Stefan Diggs has, to my great surprise, I'll admit, completely broken out in Buffalo. 555 yards so far this season. Third in the league has had three games with over 100 yards receiving. You called this one, Mason, and you get your hat tip on this. Yeah, I did. I thought that Stefan would succeed uh, with Josh Allen, and it's been going well so far. I mean, the team's fallen off a little bit these past two weeks, but Quentin Jefferson, uh, another Terp up there in Buffalo, has been playing pretty well. Yes, indeed. Uh, J.C. Jackson in New England has two interceptions, tied for fifth in the league, um, has just become an impact player. And that's another one, Mason, that you called way back in the day as being a success story. 
Yeah, it really is. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of these junior college guys are drawn to a place like Maryland is because of the success that J.C. Jackson's had. And and he's blown up. And, and a guy that, you know, I think let's all be honest here, he had the talent, but the Terps just did not have the line play to support that. New England, obviously a, a place that finds the strengths uh, in all their players. And J.C. is the guy that I think really thrives in the culture that they have built there and and, and plays – and as a team, they just play to so many of their guys' strengths, and I think that shows with a guy like J.C. Jackson, who has a really elite set of skills in a in a very refined way of playing. Um, just two more today. D.J. Moore is quietly having a very impressive season in Carolina once again. 474 yards, tied for 10th in the league. Uh, one touchdown, so not your fantasy pick, but it's kind of been overshadowed because Robbie Anderson's been so good in Carolina, but DJ Moore has quietly established himself as an elite receiver in the league. Yeah, and I think that for DJ, you know, it, it's been a change this year. Uh, Kyle Allen, the guy that was playing most of the games at quarterback for Carolina, heavily relied on him last year. And, and it's just been a change, you know. And Carolina's kind of quietly having a middle-of-the-road season. I think a lot of people wrote them off after uh, two really bad uh, games to start it off. They've kind of rebounded a bit. DJ Moore's gotten going. You know, the wheels have started turning. I'm interested to see what happens when McCaffrey comes back, if DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson keep producing like this. But I think that now that the ball's rolling there, especially once McCaffrey returns, uh, guys like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who are going to be kind of those secondary players, they could have a really strong finish and push for the playoffs uh, in Carolina. And the last one we're going to cover today in football is the rookie Anthony McFarlane. Um, your mixed bag season so far. He's fourth in the depth chart behind James Conner, Benny Snell, and Jalen Samuels, but has had at least one big highlight with a 20-yard carry. Uh, not, I mean, it's kind of one of those, let's be honest, no one expected Anthony McFarlane to play much this season with the amount of depth the Steelers have at running back. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised he hasn't gotten a shot at a kick return or punt return there, but a team that's clicking on every level, and Anthony McFarland. Uh, at times has been a decent change of pace back. I think that that's mainly his role, kind of a guy that's going to get two, three touches a week uh, just on the chance that he's an explosive football player. I was more or less taken aback when, when James Conner went down and they went completely to Benny Snell instead of mixing in, you know, really either McFarland or Samuel, but... You know, Pittsburgh's got the way of doing things. McFarland's not necessarily the the bruiser back that I think they're looking for, that they have with Snell and Connor. But a, a guy that I can see the role growing as a change of pace back, a one-cut running back, which is what he's known for, and really get an opportunity late season. It's good to see him playing, though, because he wasn't inactive for, I believe, the first three or two weeks of the season. And we... I'll be the first to admit I'm not a baseball guy, but... We do have Brandon Lau of the Rays and Adam Kolarek, the receiver for the Dodgers, both Terp alums, which guarantees a Terp will win the World Series this season, which, I mean, that's pretty cool. I, that's all I really have to say about it. This is the second time this will happen. The first time, Mason, that two Terps competed in the World Series was 1917. Wow. I would have said never. You know, uh, Maryland's not really had a strong baseball program, but... Yeah, only the second time this is happening in the history of a really, really long tenure program in College Park. And, and it shows 
the building that that these coaches, you know, the handful of them that have been at Maryland now have put in. You know, just a lot of a lot of rebuilding has been done in this program, and it's seen its fair share of successes. But this will definitely be a landmark and be something uh, that this growing program can kind of market off of. And one more pro chirp that I personally have to get in. Um, John Lucas, who the former first pick of the draft, All-American at Maryland, and coach of the LA Clippers, is was named as a finalist for the Houston Rockets coaching vacancy. Uh, Lucas has been, I need to look this up for sure, because I know he's been with the organization for a long time now, but he's put in his time there, and he's definitely earned the respect of the league. I've seen his name actually come up in a couple other vacancies in the last couple of years, but this is another one, Mason. I, I know that we have some questions about fit on this, but having a Terp alum as an NBA head coach would be an enormous boost to the program, I would think. Yeah, it would. And, and a few years back, John Lucas was on the post-game show after one of the games, uh, one of the basketball games in College Park. And, and just really a, a a quite genuine, nice guy. Um you know, obviously having the chance to meet him, him being a Terp legend. Uh, I wish him the best. I'm not the biggest fan of the NBA. I'll be honest. I probably watched in total five or six minutes of the finals. But it, it would – I would want to see a Terp guy, you know, and a Terp legend uh, get that chance. You know, Jordan and I are obviously way younger than uh, seeing John Lucas play on either level. But uh, a guy whose name comes up a lot and is just, just known as a really good guy around the team and – and and I did get to see that firsthand, so it's a big props to him. And hopefully, he gets you know one of these jobs and and gets his shot. I do have to correct myself pretty heavily because I um really messed this one up. Lucas has been the coach of the Spurs, Sixers, and Cavaliers, um, and he took the Spurs to these conference finals in 1993. So my bad on that. He was assistant for the Clippers, um, and he's been with Rockets since 2016. And I did not know this until just googling him, Mason. He was also an All-American in tennis. Yes, I did know that. You know, Bruce always likes to point that out about John, uh, a John Lucas Shorten. So, so I guess you get your Bruce points there. Oh, good. I've been needing some Bruce points. Uh, but yes, ho- seriously, hopefully he gets the job. That would be um, that would make at least me very happy. Yeah. But so I don't think he'd. Be, I don't even know if he'd be able to take the Rockets past the second round. I know you have some very passionate thoughts on the Rockets. Maybe we'll save those for another time. Yeah, I, I definitely do, but. Yeah, let's talk football, which is which is why we're doing this podcast. Jordan, the depth chart comes out today. What are your thoughts? Okay, so the first thing, of course, that we need to discuss, because we have to discuss it by law, is the quarterback situation. Um, we got exactly zero clarity on who will be taking South Pine Center on Saturday, Mason. Well, I think... From Coach Loxley's comments, it seemed that both quarterbacks will be playing at numerous times this season. And that that's kind of the opposite of what I wanted to hear. You know, I don't personally like two quarterback systems. And I got to point this one out just because it was a nice tidbit that I saw today. Uh, Virginia's quarterback got hurt, Jordan, and they're considering going with a three-quarterback system for the rest of the season. I can only think of one other program I've ever seen do that. Do you remember who it is? I don't. Remember when Florida did that? I think in like immediately after the Tebow years. Well, are you okay? So you would be counting Trey Burton as one of their quarterbacks? I mean, he was. 
Okay, yeah, so th that's fair. Yeah, there is another team that did it. But, yeah, the Terps looking at probably a two-quarterback system. Uh, I think it's kind of obvious what roles uh, each of these guys are going to play. Lance will run, and uh, Leo will pass. But I hope they don't just stick to that, though, because that always frustrates the living crap out of me when I see teams do that. Because if you only do, like, this is a running quarterback and this is a throwing quarterback, then it telegraphs when you're going to run the ball with the quarterback, which kind of keeps the purpose of doing it, unless you're a really good option team. Yeah, and I don't think Maryland will be. So I, I'm kind of going to walk that one back. I think Leo will be more of a traditional offensive guy. Lance, they're going to try some different things, use some different packages, roll them out, get him in the space and see what he can do. Uh, the last time Maryland tried this, it went horribly wrong. Which is, they tried Kasim Hill and, and Piggy in a two-quarterback system for about a game and a half and, and threw it out the window, which it need to be thrown out the window. So, um, and then I was at the beginning of the year where they played Texas at FedEx Field. They tried that system, didn't work, uh, but... Let's see what Coach Loxley can do. You know, that's kind of how all I have to say about this quarterback situation. Without being able to see things in practice, uh, it's it's really hard to get any insight, you know, as far as these guys are concerned. So, yeah, um, I think that wraps it up. I I got to see Leah coming out, though, first drive of the game. I would think so, but I, I don't, it's hard to say for me because it really feels like to me that I feel like the fans want to see Lance Lejean. I feel like the fans really know. want to see both. And maybe it's more accurate. Um, whatever the case, we're going to have one heck of a run here. Uh, let's push on. We'll definitely have some more things to say once we see what uh, Lox has got planned. The running back position, this is a huge personal victory, I feel like, for you, Mason. Jake Funk is finally getting his turn as a lead back in the Maryland backfield. Yeah, and, and this is something that I, I think I've been calling for for quite some time now. Jake Funk is just a dog. I mean, there's, there's nothing else about it. This guy plays hard every situation you put him in. He's a leader on this football team. He was last year. He plays special teams. He'll play defense. He'll play running back. He'll play quarterback. This guy is the kind of guy that you want to build a program around. He works hard. He's fought through injuries. And, and when he gets to the football, he runs hard. There's no doubt about it. You, you, there's no question in effort. He was a great football player here in Montgomery County. He stuck it with the public school way. He got to his dream school. And now he gets his chance to start. Number one on the death chart coming off an ACL tear. He's the guy that I'm most impressed with in this roster. And I think... I think he's earned his shot, you know, if nothing else. And I think that he won his shot because uh, if you listen to what Coach Loxley preaches and, and really what he practices, guys get benched when they don't go hard. And I think Jake Funk get begin given this opportunity against Fleet Davis, against Isaiah Jacobs, against Penny Boone uh, is a huge victory for the guys that want to see this program change and to see the guys that are from here get their chance and the guys that play hard – and do it right, get on the football field. And I think Jake Funk also has the talent to be the best running back on this roster. Uh, but it's going to be a mixed bag. You know, I expect Isaiah Jacobs and Petty Boone to get their shot. We all know that Fleet Davis is going to get his uh, plays as a power back. But, yeah, just to see Jake Funk there uh, really, really inspired me just because he's done it right. I think this is year, was it, year six for Jake Funk? A redshirt year for... Yeah. 
four varsity years uh, with the with the injury? Uh, five or six. I think it's five. Um, I, I'm excited as well, but I'm not going to try to match Mason's enthusiasm for that one. I'm excited to see Isaiah Jacobs. Um, I really liked his brother in college and in the league, um, but that's not why I like him. I think he's going to bring some change-up speed to this backfield because let's be real about one thing. Drake Funk and Tayoff Davis are not going to break any length speed records. No, Funk Funk won't break any speed records. He's not slow. But he's no, he's no Anthony McFarland. I don't think uh, – I mean, Isaiah Jacobs is probably their closest thing to a boom back. But I think Funk is a good every down back. And, and I think Jacobs and Flea Davis will, will play off of each other as a good change of pace, guys. Uh, pushing on to the offensive – actually, let's hit the receivers first. Uh, Jayshon Jones and Nate Demas take the one and two spots. No big surprise there. Expect to see Daryl Jones a fair amount. Uh, the uh, eighth receiver, Mason, definitely caught some eyes when it came out. Yeah, Brian Cobb's over uh, Rock Jarrett. Um, it definitely got me. Uh, Brian Cobb's a hardworking guy. Brian Cobb's is a talented football player. Uh, I expected Rock Jarrett to, to be in this spot. Maybe not week one. But, yeah, I mean, again, as I've said it time and time again, you bring competition to a roster, hopefully you get results. And I think you will get results more times than not. This is a stacked group. I mean, you're looking at Daryl Jones is listed as a backup at the X spot to Jay Sean. Uh, Carrier, a guy who got a lot of time last year, is on this spot. Dito Tomlin, who was uh, supposed to be really impressive coming off of his redshirt year, he's on this roster. I mean, they, they just got guys here, and, and you're going to see a lot of them play. Another guy that a lot of people have been high on uh, is, is Nick. Uh, his last name slides me, but he's from New Jersey. I just think they got a lot of guys on this in this spot. I think it's going to be a mix of players. Whoever fits is going to get the time, you know. And if Rock Jarrett hasn't built the chemistry yet, and Brian Cobbs has been catching balls from Lance since last year, has it? You know, going into Week One, you give the guys that have played games a slight edge, and I think that might be here. But you're going to see five on the field on Saturday night. You're going to see, you know, fifteen. It's going to be a mix of guys. I think Jayshon Jones might take it a little bit slow uh, coming off of the injury. And I just think it's going to be, you know, putting in work, get, building up the chemistry with a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces. Uh, it might be ugly to start with, but definitely a group that you should see some solid production out of. And one thing to uh, note, because I know a lot of people are going to be looking at Jayshon Jones after his uh, injury, how he turns out, Rock Jarrett. Dante Demas was honorable mention all Big Ten last season. Like I I'm really watching him this year. That's my guy to star in the receiving group. Yeah, that's um, the guy that you really got to look at, Jordan. Because Demas, if you remember, mixed bag. Uh, he had a lot of balls slipped through his hands in some really unfortunate moments. The biggest one that sticks out to me is Minnesota. He practically ended that game by dropping a ball. Uh, I think it was into the hands of Whitfield that was returned for a touchdown. You know, that's game over. Those are the kind of plays that kill you as a team. Uh, but Demas does make some big plays. It's going to be consistency. Who can really stick out? Because there's a lot of talent here, but not a lot of consistency. So, um, I don't even know how to approach this one. Tight end. Your starting tight end, Mason, is Tyler Baylor. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are pointing at... the line last season. Yeah, Jordan, on the defensive line last season, Baylor was. Uh, a massive upside player coming into co college at a good council here in Olney, Maryland. A basketball player, though. 
you know, that that's something that you got to stick out. So a guy that might maybe good at his hands, Coach Loxley pointed about, he's the blocking tight end. Malik Jackson, uh, more of your natural tight end, the guy the Terps brought in uh, at the end of the last cycle. He's the pass-catching tight end. If he can block, he can play. You know, a guy that, again, massive upside on the defensive line, didn't necessarily work out. Now he's here at tight end. I kind of like him at tight end. I think that they, he has a lot of chance to be successful, and, and they need a guy that can block. You know, they really do need that role, and I think Baylor fits into it. I think you might be right. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can get into the pass-catching role. And, you know, you always, and I do mean always, see this, where the best tight ends always play what sport, Mason? They always play basketball, and that's why a lot of people like him here. And, you know, it's a, it's a concern spot because you're having a guy come from defensive line to tight end. But... You know, you hope that the basketball skills and the blocking, it carries over. And I would really think that Jackson would be your starter if it didn't carry over at all. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a battle here. You know, you got to get somebody that can at least do the simple things, be good on special teams, and make the blocks. And if Baylor's the guy that can make the blocks, again, that's my key. If you have a tight end that can't block, he's really not a tight end. So hopefully this guy can, you know, do his chip blocking job, get out in space, knock some guys over, and, you know, Make an impact, because if you remember the year with Matt Canada, they were using a lot of motion with the tight ends, and then got solid blocking out of Chigakonkwo, and that was a big thing. He created a lot of the space, he was in motion a lot, moved around, confused some defense, took some carries. Now, you're not really going to hand Baylor the ball, but if he can do the same concepts, get out in space, knock some guys over, as I just said, then at least you can get something solid. He's not going to be George Kittle, but you know at least he'll maybe give you something. And finally, the offensive line. Uh, how about you take the first couple of Mason? Let's start on the right side. Yeah, not uh, the group that's going to, you know, be great by any stretch. But a solid, I think, a solid front five. You know, if you look at the right side, you got Spencer Anderson, who's a sophomore. Uh, he gave you time last year. He was he got better. You know, I'm not going to say he was good, but he got better. 6'5", 330. He's going to have to take a next step, but again, a guy that's serviceable has played Big Ten football. You move to the inside on that side. Marcus Miner, a guy that's played center, guard, and tackle in his time at Maryland. Mainly a right tackle. He's had some trouble staying healthy, the junior. Uh, he was a big get for the Terps coming out of DeMatha. He moves inside to guard. I like him at guard, 6'4", 3'10". I think he's got a chance to be more successful here, stay healthy. You put a guy in there at tackle with Anderson, who's got the long reach arms, a little bit more of the height and a little bit more of the size, but more of a vertical player. Again, the long arms. He's more of a tackle. I've always thought that Marcus Miner will be more successful as a guard. I kind of look at that situation, if you watch the Redskins, where Trent Williams ended up playing guard, and Ty Inseki came in a tackle. Obviously, Inseki, uh, nothing close to Trent Williams, but Trent Williams was a great guard. It happens. You know, that transition, as time builds, as the injuries mount, some guys are better served at guard than tackle. I think Marcus Miner uh, really has a lot of potential. Now, on the two-deep, uh, Evan Gregory, a guy that has you know progressed slowly for the Terps, uh, he was a big get for them too. He's been mentioned at center, tackle, and guard. Uh, they slide him in there at the backup right guard position. And then we move to center, where we have Johnny Jordan, who opted back in after previously opting out. The struggle with him is, I feel he's been pretty good when he's on the field, but he's only been on the field for six games the last two seasons, and 
when your offensive line is this thin, I think that's a huge red flag because the backup at center is listed as Marcus Minor, which implies Evan Gregory's going to have to step up at guard if Scott Jordan goes down. He's got to stay in the field. Right, and this is a spot where you're not really sure who the backup is. Yes, it's listed as Marcus Minor. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Evan Gregory or Mason Lunsford, who's lined up as the backup left guard, came into the Terps as a left tackle, now kicking inside. He may slide all the way to center. You're not really sure what happens if there's an injury on this offensive line. Yes, Jordan. Johnny Jordan's got to stay up. Remington watchless center. He's your guy. He's got to be a leader. And he was thinking about opting out. Now he opts back in. He's been in for enough time to get fit, get ready to go. He's got to stay up. Uh, left guard, we got the Juco um, transfer, Jahori Branch. I guess it worked out. I know, especially you, Mason, were really big on these Juco guys have to land. This one apparently did because he got the start. And I'll be honest, I don't really know what to expect out of him. And as you mentioned, Mason Lutzberg slides into left guard. 6'6 six, six guard, that's going to be a big boy. Yeah, Lunsford, definitely a big guy. Jahari Branch, possibly the highest upside guy on this offensive line. A lot of reports saying that he has pro potential, pro footwork, pro fitness. Uh, we'll see. You know, he's getting thrown into the fire from Juco to Big Ten football. That That's about as, as far as an offensive lineman is concerned. I think that's the biggest step up. You know, you're playing against some big-time teams. The schedule doesn't have many breaks in it. And this might be the hardest, you know, uh, Juco to high D1 transfer that you're going to see with Branch. But a guy that everyone's really high on right now dominated uh, a lot of the drills and a lot of film that the team put out, uh, the little film that they did put out. And then finally left tackle, Jalen Duncan starts as expected. I um, no, I'm not sure how this is going to be taken out there. I thought he played okay considering circumstances last season, but I understand he still left a lot to be desired. I'm excited to see him play this season. Hopefully he makes a step. And then TJ Bradley and Delmer Glaze, the three-star out of Charlotte, are listed as the or backups. Yeah, TJ Bradley a little bit disappointed that he's an or, a guy that was really was supposed to start that left tackle spot last year, um, gets injured, and now he's back. But good to see TJ Bradley back playing football, a guy that might become a really valuable backup to this football team. Jalen Duncan we saw progression throughout the year, and yes, Jordan, I agree with you. Given the circumstance, not not as bad as it could have been. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, hopefully Jalen can can kind of keep the progression going. I think if he can, he can end up being a fairly good football player, but definitely uh, still in a tough situation. Other notes on this offensive line is the coaching. The Terps get Coach Reagan for a second year. you got to remember from uh, the group a few years back, it was coach after coach after coach for four years. Finally, some consistency in the coaching here. We'll see if it carries on to the field again, but it's a tough group to work with. You know, a lot of new faces, not a lot of continuity, not a lot of backups. Um, I would have loved to see that line with Prince and Gray and Sean Christie get some consistency of coaching. Obviously, that's that's in the past, but a spot where you need to have the same guy cycle after cycle. You know, this, this did the most damage to this team for, I think, a long time was the fact they didn't have any coaching, you know, continuity. Jordan, you've been a lot around a lot of programs. I mean, you see it. You look at success, it comes from guys, and, and I'm going to use a phrase that I hate, bringing in the players that they like, which I cannot stand when people say that, and then developing them over time. Uh, Coach Reagan gets a chance to do that here in year number two. We've got to see improvement if this team wants to win any football games. Yeah, that is definitely a spot to watch. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. It's really offensive line, and I feel 
like we're kind of that side of Mason because we're both seem more interested in the offensive line than the quarterback position, which I don't know if anybody else is on that wave, but we certainly are. Well, you know, I tend to really like the way offensive line play is done. I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. And if you if you really look at the film on games, uh, it all starts up front. You know, that's where all the plays are tipped. That's where, you know, guys, you can see them if they're moving early, if they're not. If You can really tell what the heartbeat of the football team is by, by the effort and success that an offensive line has. And, and that's why I'm kind of intrigued by this group. You know, you're seeing a lot of position moves, a little tweaks that I like, like minor to guard, uh, bringing in a Juco guy or two, just getting them in the rotation. And you finally see that next, you know, that next year with the same coach. So are we going to see some of the same tendencies? Cause not a lot of them worked out. Uh, but you know, it's year number two for this entire group and, and it's kind of weird year. I don't know how much you can really judge off of it, but we can get into that if it starts going poorly or well, you know, I'm kind of, I'm taking it both ways. And finally, spent a lot of time in the offense. Oh my God. Um, Onto the defensive side of the ball. Again, it's on the front, and I know this is your special team, Mason, so you can just take it, but I'm just going to start with, we don't got prayer if the defensive line doesn't play better than it did last season. Yeah, and and, and that's exactly where it's got to start. And a ton of new players up front. The, the first thing that I want to start on, though, Jordan, is a size comparison to week one last year. The Terps took on Howard and we'll kind of run through the starters here. Uh, Brett Kolko started at end. He was 6'4", 258. This year, the Terps start at end. I'm going to call him Joe B, even though he's not the Joe B that that, that calls the Caps games and is a friend of the program. 6'4", 260. Uh, Lottez Rogers, a carryover player. He's listed at 6'4", 275 this year. He was listed at 6'4", 268 last year. On the inside, you had Olu, Oluwatimi. He was listed at 6'1", 294. This year, the Terps bring in Ami Finau. He's listed at 6'2", 330, Jordan. So you can already see the Terps getting bigger up front. At tackle, the Terps have Sam O and Mo Kite listed. We'll take Mo Kite, who's, on, who's uh, listed above Sam O. He is listed at 6'2", 305. Last year, the Terps starred Key Ryan Howard in his senior year of 6'3", 278 in another game. And then at Jack, this is a key position for the Terps. They didn't get much uh, out of Shaq Smith in this position, nor Bryce Brand. Brand leads the program. Shaq Smith moves uh, more towards the middle. Uh, Darrell and Chime comes back. Chime, uh, 6'4", 255. Shaq Smith going into last year, 6'2", 251. So the Terps gain a couple inches across the line and definitely a lot of a lot of meat. So they, they definitely needed that, and they get it out of out of the group of JUCO players that they brought in. Focusing on the play, uh, the transfer from NC State or Lautez Rogers. Lautez Rogers is a guy that a lot of people have been high on. Great player. A really great guy. Gives a great interview. He was on media availability last week. He's got to step up. You know, he's coming into his junior year, second year uh, that he'll, or with two varsity letters coming into the season. One of these two guys has got to take over this position, but they need rotational players and they need consistency. Lautez Rogers is a guy that started was an or start last year who completely fell out of the rotation as the season moved on. He's got to have a better year. Uh, Finau and and, and TT uh, as two transfers, one of these guys has to stick. I mean, I think it's as simple as that. For Finau, uh, he's, he's getting the start, number 55 for the Terps. 
I'm not really sure what to expect. You know, there's so many question marks. Mo Kite, another transfer, not exactly what to sure what to expect. Uh, he was listed at tackle. A lot of people had his as an end coming before this depth chart was released. Uh, Sam O will back him up, a guy that we saw a lot of last year and who took solid steps as the season went off. Chime coming back from injury. Uh, been kind of hearing some mixed reports about whether he's fully back. Uh, Deshaun Holt, a guy who's really climbed the depth chart, was kind of a nobody coming into Maryland. He gets the backup spot there, Jordan. Across uh, the line is pretty much a complete question mark. I mean, Rodgers, Sam O, Chime, the only three guys out of the, what is it, four positions, so eight listed. Three out of eight have played uh, really at all for the Terps. Will be an interesting situation to look at. Yeah, and they it seems that the coaching staff got the message from the from the uh, from just watching the games that the defensive line needs an overhaul and it certainly got one as you just said. There are hold on one, two, four transfers out of the starting if you want to call it starting eight on the defensive line. That is, I almost want to say never a good sign, but that's not really the case in this in this case. Because we want that turnover so badly, because they just got bodied so hard last season, we might have you at least have a shot. I feel like with these guys, and I, I don't really the know. Improved. I was gonna say even though the size is improved, I'm just looking at those tackles at six two, thinking that might not be the best scenario. But who knows? Maybe this will work out. Yeah. So last year they started a six three guy and a six one guy at two ninety four and two seventy eight. This year, they're starting two 300-plus-pounders. I think that's the difference. You know, you're coming in with a guy, a true nose, who's 330. Uh, over last year, where you had a guy that was barely pushing 294 with a backup uh, of Brandon Gaddy, who, as we all know, didn't really give much to the Terps over time. They gained the weight. They're over 300 pounds at the spots they need to be. I would like to see some massive, you know, walls of human up there. But at the end of the day, it's about weight and skill. You know, you look at Timmy, Really good given his size. But he really just didn't have the size in the end. I mean, if you look at it play for play, it wasn't there. And he made some nice plays over his time here. But now you got you got to get Big Ten size people. You know, I remember kind of hearing... Rumbles coming out of this program after that game against Minnesota of you see how big they are, you know, and it was kind of a coach Loxley wants to get us to the point where we're bringing in guys of that size. Because you just got to have them to compete in this conference. And they've definitely taken a solid step at getting those guys on campus here, whether they're recruiting them or, or having to take transfers. And I think we're in for another round of transfers going into next year, but we can get to that later on in the season. Probably so. Uh, moving to the linebacking core, Chance Campbell earns the Mike spot. Uh, well, let's just talk about this Mike spot for a minute because it's maybe the most interesting one on on the defense. Chance Campbell gets the start. He definitely earned that after his play last season. At least I felt like. Uh, Ruben Hippolyte, the highly tied freshman from South Florida who we've talked to a couple of times, gets the number two spot. And then Shaq Smith gets an or with Ruben Hippolyte for the two. Uh, probably not what we expected. Yeah, no, I expected Shaq Smith to to be a starting football player here. And, and the reason for that is is because a lot of people had reports that he was going to start this position at Clemson. Um, before he decided that he really wanted that spot chance to play uh, the Jack and, and came to Maryland for that opportunity. Uh, he He's at the Mike spot. 
we'll see who really plays here. Chance Campbell, though, definitely a really solid football player. Uh, Jordan at the will. Ace Ely gets an or, which a lot of people had Ace Ely as a lock with Fananje Gote, a guy that a lot of Terps fans like. Undersized, hits really hard, great special teams football player. Um, not exactly sure what what's going on there, but I think it's really going to be Ely and Campbell and Ely and Smith and Smith and Campbell. Oh, Ely, I am kind of surprised this as well because he got all the 10 honors. I think I will mention as well. Maybe he got 13, actually. I'm not sure. Um and he played, he was maybe the best defensive player we had last season, I'd actually wager to say. But I think we might see Gote maybe in more pass tour situations using his smaller side and his speed. But who knows? I'm surprised by that as you are. And then Ahmad McCullough, the sophomore, gets the Sam spot. Yeah, this is a massive surprise, this position. Ahmad McCullough and Frankie Burgess. Burgess, a guy that barely played football in high school, really great uh, end to his career down there in South Florida that drew the Terps' attention, ended up with the offer and the commitment. Uh, the guy that's missing here is Cortez Andrews. Uh, he was the expected starter at this spot. We w- did not get a clear answer out of Coach Loxley about what, what the situation is. If he's injured or just didn't didn't show it or or there's some team discipline coming in here, we're not exactly sure. Uh, a guy that I'm having I... to see get his sh- shot is Amon McCullough, but this is this is going to be a tough, tough ride if Cortez Andrews isn't available. I feel, and I, this is pure speculation, no one take any word on this. I feel like it might be a team discipline thing because those are the ones you usually don't hear about. But we'll see. Maybe we'll see what happens. We'll see if he dresses. That's a big one for me. Um, and then the defensive backfield. Oh, boy. Yeah, this could be a tough spot for Maryland this year. Uh, they return Dante Banks. They return Nick Cross. Antoine Richardson comes back from a knee injury. Uh, that's about it. Kenny Bennett. Also on this list, a guy that's not on this list that started a little bit different this time is Levante Gator. Uh, he he saw some time at the number two spot for the Terps at corner. Uh, he's not listed. Interesting to see here. Tarheeb still the freshman out of New Jersey. He's listed as an or to Dante Banks. I think still plays a lot in a, in a spot where the Terps need it, but I'm kind of concerned about the size. 6'1", 182 he's listed at. Uh, going yeah, opposite. might see him in the slot. Yeah, going opposite side, Jacorian Bennett, a guy that a lot of people really wanted to be the starting, a guy that steps up for the Terps, the Juco transfer. He's in or with Kenny Bennett, a guy that struggled significantly in his time at Maryland. Another guy, Jordan Mosley, listed at safety as an or with Antoine Richardson. Mosley, a guy that a lot of people want to see at linebacker, still back there starting at safety. He's getting torched. He's really he's just not a safety. He's a middle linebacker. I think that's where they should play him. Uh, Antoine Richardson, I feel like, has got to get that start there. Uh, he was a guy that Terps were really looking forward to see play before his injury last year. This is my most concerned spot on this football team. I'm not exactly sure he's going to step up. I think Banks, uh, but the only guy that's solid here is Nick Cross, let's be honest. Well, I just want to focus on Jordan Mosley for a second. I understand the concern that he is not fast enough to be a safety, and that, that is factual unless he got significantly faster somehow. I just think it's a matter of they don't. They have talent at middle linebacker. We all know that. Chance Campbell, Ruben Hibbert, Shaq Smith, I think we would be fine if any of those guys started. Jordan Mosley may be the only other option at safety. And if the coaching staff feels that way, he's going to stick back there because they might need him back there. And that is really a hard knock on the defense or the um, depth of the defensive backfield, especially specifically at safety. Um. If it's almost at the point where you say you hit, if you had one place to pour talent on this roster, it might actually be here instead of defensive 
line that was pretty close just because, I mean, at least we have some unknowns at the defensive line. I don't mean to knock Kenny Bennett because I don't, he seems like a nice guy. He really does, but he was burnt toast last season. He can't run with the Big Ten. I'd expect your Corian to take most of the snaps. Levante Gator not getting on the uh, four deep for corners, pretty big indictment. I, I don't really know what to make of the – I don't know how – help me find hope here, Mason. Yeah, I mean, the hope here has got to come from Jacorian Bennett and Dante Banks. I mean, Banks, the guy that played last year, uh, really tough situation. Another guy that's not bad on this list, and these are your two safeties, Isaiah Hazel and Taj Capehart, neither of which are on the list. Um, the guys that I was kind of hoping to step up, Capehart, Hazel, uh, Richardson. Uh, I'm just not seeing it, Jordan. Gator. I mean, those are four players that I expected to see on this list that are not. I expected Hazel to be the second safety to Antoine Richardson. I expected Jordan Mosley to move over probably to the Will linebacker uh, spot. I also expected Gator to be in the two slot at either side. And I thought Kenny Bennett might move to safety as the backup. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. I'm not inspired, but... You know, I'm also not coaching the team, nor have I seen a practice this year, so I really can't judge. And let's wrap it up with special teams here. Uh, Justin Petrino takes a third straight year as starting kicker. Um, get Precarella and Spangler back. Saw some uh, issues of punting last season. Hopefully they don't rear their head again. Uh, James Rosenberry is the long snapper. And I'm not going to say I know much about the long snapper position, but I always feel like I need to shout them out because their job is harder than people give the credit for, I feel like. Uh, kick returner, we've got Isaiah Jacobs taking the lead this year. Yeah, that's why I call him the boom running back. He gets the starting kick returner spot. Uh, he'll be back there with Rakim Jarrett. The punt returner, Jayshon Jones, that... I don't like this spot. I'd like to see Jarrett get his chance at punt returner. Oh, I mean, Jayshon Jones was pretty good as a punt returner. I feel like he should stay back there. I mean, clearly he won the spot. Tariq still backs him up. Um, Tariq still, I'm really, like I said earlier, I expect him to be a burner. And especially live in the slot on defense. So we'll see how that works out. He is really light, but he's also covering slot receivers most of the time. Yeah. Overall, Mason, I mean, it's hard to say what you expect out of this team this year. Personally, my my hopes are not very high. I got us two to three wins this season in the shortened season. Uh, We'll see what happens, of course. And we're going to have a lot of questions, probably getting some answers in week one, especially quarterback, which, of course, is what everybody's going to want to focus on. I hope the offensive line holds up because I think the offense could be pretty good if that's the case. The defense is uh, raising some alarms for me. Yeah. Here, and I didn't get my word in, on special teams, my biggest question is can we block for a field goal? They didn't kick last year, not because Petrino wasn't good. They could not block for a field goal. We'll see how that changes. We really will. Um. Other things of note, yeah, kind of going over it. I'll, I'll give it this, and I think this is an, not necessarily the most widespread opinion, but it is my opinion. This is a good first-team roster. It's not bad. I don't think it's much worse than we've had in the past. Sure, there are some a little bit more question marks, but if guys perform the way they're supposed to, I think the guy that's listed first and or or in every one of these spots is a fine starting football player. There are a few spots maybe tight end, I'll go for tight end, left tackle, and one of the corners. Those are really the only spots where I'm 
I'm like, man, we really don't have a guy there. And the Sam linebacker, that's four spots. Um, past that, though, I think this team struggles a lot. And that's where my expectations are really set. There are going to be injuries. We'll see how they're backfilled. Another thing of note is the three deep on the defensive line is really important. They don't give that to us here. And the three deep at corner is really important, and they don't give that to us here. So those are my two kind of looks at it. We don't really get a full look at the defensive backfield or defensive line, but I think a lot of questions you're right are going to be answered on Saturday night. I'm really looking at the two lines. I could care less about the quarterback. I think a lot of last year's struggles at the position of quarterback were based off of two things. No time for them to throw the ball and the lack of the ability to complete a simple slant pass. Throw the ball on time and stay up through contact. I'm not really writing this team off at quarterback, I am an offensive and defensive line. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there for now. I'm just going to give it, we're going to give these one more time just for kicks. Mason, the Big Ten West is kind of seems a two team race right now, though I don't really buy it between Minnesota and Wisconsin. I feel like you're going with the Badgers here, but what, who are you picking to win out of the Big Ten West? Yeah, I'm picking out of the Big Ten West. I wouldn't be surprised if this Northwestern team gave it a run. Uh, I'm thinking Wisconsin resumes uh, where they were last year, and and I think that Minnesota might have been a little bit overhyped, but who knows? I mean, it's it's just such a weird year. Um, There's so many questions that need answering, and so many teams that really aren't, that I feel like there's going to be just some collapses. Guys that gave up on the season start to, you know, get fat, get out of shape, kind of whipped back into shape here over the last month. And we'll see what happens. Jordan, quickly looking at Northwestern. I'll give him a quick look. Peyton Ramsey, a guy that's torched the turf to get the start of quarterback. Uh, Isaiah Bowser, the running back. A really strong offensive line that lost their best player in their left tackle. A, a team that's really just looking to recover. Patty Fisher heads up their defense, along with a solid group, as always coached by a guy that coached at Maryland at one point, Jordan, Pat Fitzgerald, as a graduate assistant. Yep, um, Northwestern certainly team to watch. They had a disappointing year last year. Pat Fitzgerald um, is a guy who I've always had mixed feelings on because I feel like he's always gotten a ton of hype as a really good coach. You know, he brought Northwestern back to, into relevance, and that is definitely an accomplishment worth noting because Northwestern was, historically speaking, one of the worst football programs in history. Um, but I just feel like whenever they get to this point where they're like, okay, we're going to be good, we're going to compete the Big Ten West, it, it really has only happened once. I feel like they struggle when they get expectations put on them. Yeah, I would agree. I think they're always terrible when they have a lot of expectations on them. And and I think it's really rough. You know, it's it's tough to... It's tough to evaluate when a team gets so kind of close and doesn't really make it... Pat Fitzgerald's the kind of a guy that reminds me of, of Ralph Regan, kind of similar thing. I believe Pat Fitzgerald played at Northwestern. I don't know. And he really, even if he didn't, he has Northwestern in his heart. He's been there for a long time. And it's the same thing. They're successful, and then they're terrible. And then they're 5-7. and seven. And then they're successful, and then they're terrible. He's had the luxury, which not many have in this era of coaching, of being of having an administration, an athletic department, and a fan base behind him that knows that they're doing, that he is doing what's right for them as a university, an educational institution, and as a football program. You know, right, I think a lot of his. Uh, 
A lot of his props come from him doing it right, or at least right in the Northwestern way. So, yes, uh, Pat Fitzgerald played football at Northwestern, won the Nagurski Award two times, consensus All-American, coached there in some capacity since 2001, and is the winningest coach in program history. Wow. So, yeah, definitely a guy that's – he's been around the block, so we'll see – what comes of the Wildcats and the Terps this season as both of them uh, get it started on Saturday night. Jordan, let's do it. Score predictions. What happens to the Terps week one? They are an eight-point underdog. I'm going to confirm that here quickly on my phone uh, while you give us your prediction. Oh, well, I don't think I've ever struggled to make a prediction so much just because I feel like I don't know anything about either team. Um... I'm going to say the Terps lose. Let's go with 24 to 30. Say 24 uh, to 3? A 30. Okay. Northwestern wins with 30 points. Right, I definitely think so. So Northwestern opened as an 8-point favorite. We're sitting here on Tuesday night. They're currently up to an 11-point favorite. Woo. I like the I like the Terps with the 11. I don't like the Terps straight up. Um, I think Northwestern takes it by 10, 27-17. All right, well, we, at this point, it can't, we can't be wrong too bad. Hopefully we don't get blown out. Um, look, I, I know this is going to be a weird year, if you want to call it that, Maryland fans, but let's just be happy we're playing football this season. Don't put any expectations on this team because, let's be real, I don't think they're going to be very good. But we made it. We're playing football again, and just take some solace in that, and I think we should just leave it there. Yes, we will, and as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates in Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Four Gates is your one-stop shop. Give them a call today at 301-251-2900, or visit them on the web at the number one, viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your party rental needs, big or small, serving the entire DMV Alley Party Rentals. Give them a call at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alleypartyrentals.com. All right, let's see what happens Saturday night. And as always, go Terps, and thanks for listening.